0: Let me ask you, are you someone with hair? Well, if you answered yes to that question, do I have the product for you? Visit ModernMammals.com and use code MAYO for 10% off. Because the goal with Modern Mammals is to try and keep your hair and head natural. Since I've been using it, that's exactly what I've experienced. I very much prefer it. I don't know if I'm ever going to switch back. Probably not. To tell you the truth, and this means that it doesn't distort your pH balance and natural oils like shampoo would. Unlike shampoo, the products don't have a harsh detergent that suds up and dries out your head and hair. It's just lighter. Than traditional shampoo and unlike conditioners it doesn't leave hair limp and frizzy like you don't want that Seinfeld in the shower like Rory McElroy had it once too or just you know, a mop on your head you don't want that and if you use modern mammals that's not going to happen it's designed to make your hair feel thicker and my hair at the moment feels so thick you can't even pull it out plus the products are easy to rinse out so there's no leftover residue to weigh hair down so Go to modernmammals.com and use code MAYO for 10% off. Again, that's modernmammals.com for 10% off with promo code MAYO. Don't forget to use my promo code MAYO so they know I sent you. More details in the description. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2022 U.S. Open. Picks, research, first look, the preview to get you all settled for the year's third major reminder to everyone this week. It is a major week, so expect golf overload on the Pat Mayo Experience. I need your help and I'm willing to pay up to do it. I got two big prizes for you this week. One, I will stake one of you into the big $200 single entry on DraftKings this week. Or you just take the $200, whatever you want to do with it. Your choice. Then there'll be another one for $100 to go into the $100 Millionaire Maker or the $100 single entry. Whatever you want to do with it. So there's two prizes to give away. I might even give away some more if a Enough engagement actually happens with this. And there are myriad ways you can enter the giveaway this week. The main way, the most ballots you're going to get, subscribe, leave a rating and review to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast on Apple or Spotify. You rate it five stars, something you enjoy about the show, Twitter handle or email address in that review, and boom, you get five entries into the draw. For the cash giveaway this week. I'm probably going to add in a few $55 ones. Because I saw a cool $55 contest on DraftKings this week too. Additionally, if you subscribe to the newsletter, that's three entries. If you retweet the show or share on Facebook anytime that you see it pop up this week, you will have one entry into the draw. So lots of ballots to go around to get your hands on some of this hold card cash. And most of it will take less than three seconds to do so. You might as well get your hands on some of that free money I am giving away. Additionally, FantasyNational.com, get yourself 20% off because that's how I'm doing the walkthrough is on fantasynational. FantasyNational.com slash Mayo gives you the simulator, the ownership projections, all the stats and research that you could ever need to do on your own. It is all up there. Use the tools at FantasyNational.com. Reminder to smash the like, sub to the channel, and in the comment section, give me your favorite sleeper heading into the week For the US Open. Additionally, the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Listeners League, oh, it's now open. There are 6,000 spots this week $15 to play, three max entry, and no rake. It's a giant contest. Let's fill it as quickly as possible because you don't want to miss out on rake free money. The link is in the description of the video and in the podcast right now so I think that's enough about me I should let you know me Raza and Tambo are doing a first look at the DraftKings pricing on the weekend Monday me and Feinberg and Cust with the bets Tuesday Rick Gaiman and myself player by player breakdown Wednesday noon eastern time on Mayo Media Network the live chat final bets the weather all your questions with Tyler Tambellini, toe tag and Tambo Wednesday noon eastern time on mayo media network so that's the spiel i'll try to cut it down for each of the shows so you don't need to sit through this in each of the viewings but remember to download share all that stuff help support us during a major week but let's get into it let's dig into fantasynational.com right now and see what we want to do for both the course and for the picks Laid out nicely already up here in the most expensive DraftKings pricing to the least expensive on the board. There's 156 players in the U.S. Open field at Brookline this week. And unlike all of the other majors, because they all have their own weird rules, it's only top 60 in ties making the cut at the U.S. Open, which actually makes it the lowest percentage of players getting through to the weekend, at least at a minimum. I suppose there are weird circumstances where a bunch of guys tie for T-58, and there's like 13 of them or something crazy like that, and then it's easier than your top 65 in ties that you see every other week. But the PGA Championship, it's top top 70 in ties. It's top 65 at the Open Championship. It's top 50 in ties at Augusta National. However, there's you know upwards of you know at max 95 players in those fields not 156 now there are amateurs that are in this tournament there's people that have qualified from all around the world but the best of the best including the guys that have defected and are now banned by the pga tour the usga is allowing them to play the first press conference on monday is actually phil mickelson which is going to be a sight to see at least in my mind that's Gotta be must, I wouldn't say must-see TV, because it's probably not going to be on TV. Must-see streaming on Facebook, or something crazy like that. But again, 156 players, top 60 in ties make the cut, so we're going to play with a small core this week. And that's what we really have to dig into, is how are we going to separate these guys? And before we get into the cores and get into the stats, let's take a look at some of the periphery things that we need to inform ourselves this week. Let's Like the weather. For example, I'm using the Brookline Tower uh, on windfinder.com. Uh, you just type in Brookline, that will end up coming up. So we'll try to see this is Thursday this week. This is Friday this week. So we don't want those. We want Thursday and Friday of next week. But we should try to see there's a little bit of rain in the forecast on Sunday, a little bit on Monday morning, nothing on Tuesday. And then we get into Wednesday and Thursday. It doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of rain. Now, The rough is expected, at least from people that I have on the scene at the moment, who could be lying to me, I suppose, although they they did send me a picture. The rough is looking pretty nasty, about as nasty or worse as it does at St. George's at the Canadian Open this week, where it rained pretty devastatingly the two days before the event in Toronto, and that rough was tough to get out, at least on Thursday. I don't know how it's going to play out over the weekend. I'm not from the future. If I was from the future, I would hit more bets, don't you think? That's not necessarily the case, so I just think it's going to be very difficult to get out of that thick rough. When it's wet, it's going to catch your club, and I would expect very similar conditions, albeit a little bit drier, until we get into Friday where it looks like it's going to rain all day. These majors, they never really have a sense of you know giving us four straight days of just glorious weather. We saw the awful wind splits at the PGA Championship. It felt like they, there was a bit of a wave discrepancy at the Masters as well. It was colder than I think a lot of people thought. We saw Scotty Scheffler in that vest. But it does seem like on Thursday, the winds are going to get up to— and this is gonna, most definitely going to change. That's why I'm saying go to Brookline Windfinder and bookmark this for the rest of the week. But it does look like there's going to be rain in the morning on Friday and then massive winds throughout the day, up to 28 miles per hour. If it does actually rain— You know, eight millimeters in an hour. I know a lot of Americans are watching that show, and they're like, "What in God's name is a millimeter?" Well, you can probably use Google to figure out what that is in inches. Uh, It is what is it? One. It's eight millimeters is eight one hundredths of a centimeter. You know, metric system. It's easy to figure out when you start thinking about it in that way. Still, it's not a ton of rain, but it's a lot of rain, uh, especially when six come before, four comes before that. So it's going to play, uh, it's going to be windy and it's going to be wet. That's not going to be great news for anyone. Anyway. Then on Saturday, gusts up to, I guess, 30 is before the guys actually get on the course, 25-19. So we can be in for a pretty devastating US Open if these wins stay true. Now, obviously, when we do the live show noon Eastern time on Wednesday, June 15th, we're gonna going to have a better grasp of what the weather is going to look like. I kind of hope it's not super windy. The U.S. Open is hard enough as it is. We probably don't need uh, a bunch of rain and a bunch of wind coming in and making everyone shoot plus 11. You do want to see some shot making occur. The course fact sheet, I'll throw it up to you on the page right there. It's going to play as a par 70. This week, Uh, 35-35 on each side, 7,254 yards. There's a bunch of different tee boxes, but here's the key information that you need to know. 82 bunkers across the course, four holes where water is in play, but 4,300-square-foot greens. These are some of the tiniest greens that you're going to see outside of basically Pebble Beach, I think that these are the second smallest that you'll see all year. And for a major, that is incredibly small. Uh Poana Greens, I have read that it is also like with a bent grass mix. So it's not, it's the Northeast Poa. It's not the same as California Poa. So what we saw at Shinnecock and what we saw at Bethpage, what we see at the Travelers Championship, it's a very similar type of grass type. So if you did want to go see who putted well, if there was any correlation between those three tournaments, you can use Fantasy National very easily to go check that out. But I don't really think it has a ton in common with Pebble Beach POA or Torrey Pines South POA. So I just different climates, different types of grass. There's more mixed into it, but bumpy, a little bit slower than you're used to. But the one good thing about these small greens is very few three butts are going to be happening this week. Going to be a lot of chipping, especially if guys aren't going to be hitting in from the fairway, even from the fairway with these tiny greens, guys are going to miss. So around the green just right away sticks out as, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to need guys that are going to be able to get it. Up and down with relatively few issues. But you're not going to see a lot of lag putting this week with greens this small. So uh, that is something to keep in mind the three putt percentage on guys who are usually pretty bad at that. You know, hello, Luke List, can't putt, chips like a maniac that could actually work to his favor when, you know, maybe, I mean, listen, it's not beyond Luke List, a three putt from 23 feet, but he's far more likely to three putt from 60 feet than he is from 23 feet. So that's at least good to know, especially if the greens do play a little bit slower. We'll see and have more information on the greens beats throughout the course of the week. But I would guess that they probably play pretty similar to Southern Hills, which weren't lightning fast by any, it wasn't playing the masters. Uh, It was a little bit slower than that. Let's go hole by hole. At Brookline, and I'm gonna tell you a few course informational bits here that I've got passed along by a former caddy at the course. Obviously, it's gonna play a little bit differently than you know, it does for the regular members because it's a fusion of a lot of holes. But they're very familiar. The birdie holes on this course: one, five, seven, eight, and seventeen. Those are going to be the five best chances that guys are going to get this week. Now, if we do take a look at the scorecard, you can see on hole one here it's 488 yards. This is considered a birdie at the u.s open this year but there's not a lot going on there's not massive elevation changes like you're going to see on a lot of these different holes you can see even on the site there are poa poa and bent grass mix although when you get the official report it doesn't actually say that uh greens slope gently from left to right at least on the first hole um, we'll see the scorecard here. Rick passes along to me in this little, little, tiny font, but it's the best we can do. So I said that number one, number five is the par 4, 310 yards. Uh, let's go take a look at number five and take a look at number five, see what's doing here. So you have this par 4, 310 yards. And we'll see if uh, at least this computer simulation thinks that it's going to be eligible to be driven here. Uh, But don't be surprised if driver is the preferred choice. So guys are going to probably take a run at this one. And like any sort of US Open, there's a false front that's going to repel shots that don't carry far enough onto the surface. It's unlike that really short par three, which is number 11, I believe, on the back, that it's like it's like 135 yard par three. But if you miss the green, you're essentially in the penalty area. So you're going to have to have a pretty good sand game just by looking at the, the hole number one and hole number five from what we've seen, or just have a dead on point accuracy game with your... Your irons to be able to hit these. These aren't bowl-shaped greens uh, like you saw at Winged Foot or you see at Pinehurst. It's not going to be like that. Uh, so there's a lot of blind shots on this course as we go through everything, and that's just going to mess with a lot of people's heads. Uh, they like to be able to see where they're going to be able to go. Here's a par 3 192 yards, the second shortest par 3 on the course. You have that really short one, then you have the two that are over 200 yards. I believe it's 209 and 215 are the other two. So you see a lot of this like very thick rough here. Not the guys are going to be hitting it right in front of the tee box. They're not me with a driver on their hand. But this is going to persist in a lot of different areas. Maybe with the crowds, it'll tamp down some of the longer rough. But those 82 bunkers are no joke across this course at all. Uh, You're going to have to really... I mean, we even saw it a little bit. I actually think this St. George's, well, it's not going to be as difficult, obviously, because guys are posting, you know, minus sevens, minus sixes in the first round. And we're not going to see that at the U.S. Open. But there are massive elevation changes there. There's really steep bunkers that just are, you're dead if you're in them. Like, you're going to have to put it at best to 17, 20 feet in hope to make your putt. Uh, Hole number 11 is the shortest. This is the one that I was talking about, where you have this green. And look at that penalty area. Penalty area is everywhere. That's going to be awful, especially in these, like, 28-mile-per-hour winds. Uh, I guess if uh, if the course does play a little bit wetter, I guess guys could go pin-seeking if the greens aren't quite as firm as the USGA would want it. But even in crazy circumstances, we've seen the USGA actually kind of put everything out and make them still as difficult as possible. They'll overcorrect on Saturday if that's the case. Then you get that situation like you had at Shinnecock where Phil just calls it unfair and starts hitting the ball before it's actually stopped. Uh, The greens are too small to worry about lag putting, as I mentioned. Not a lot of pin placement on 14 of the 18 holes. They kind of have to be—the pins only have so many places they can be on these greens. Uh, I was told that if the winds do pick up over 12 to 15 miles per hour, it's going to cause a lot of problems, especially on these approach shots, just because unlike wing where You had guys like Bryson and Matthew Wolf. They kind of figured out the hack of what was going on, where they could bomb it as far as they want because no one was hitting the fairways. And these are super narrow fairways. But the reason that they were able to do such a good job was they were able to put it 320, 330 into the left rough, and then they would have a pitching wedge that they can bump and run up onto the green. Look at all these green complexes. They're elevated. They're protected by bunkers. There's no bump and run going on at all. So... That method is probably going to be out. You need guys that can muscle it out high out of the rough. I was very impressed with what I saw from Scheffler and Rory. No big shocker there, obviously, of what they were able to do out of the rough at St. George's on Thursday. And guys like Cam Smith just weren't able to do it. He also wasn't hitting any fairways. Even when he was trying to lay up, he wasn't hitting any fairways. So that was a tough scene for old Cam Smith on Thursday. Maybe he's just getting himself ready for this. Uh, The biggest issue is going to be if you miss the fairway, it's basically an auto layup to 150 yards or worse. So So scrambling percentage is something that's going to play a determining factor this week, obviously, but when you think about normal scrambling percentage, it's, yeah, I missed a green in regulation. I got to get it up and down. That's not necessarily going to be the case. And we talk about this a lot at U.S. Opens, and maybe you don't even want the guy who can get it up and down from 100 yards because you want the guy who's just hitting fairways and not having that become a problem for him, but it's going to be a lot of lateral outs, uh, a lot of just heavy hack chops out of the rough just to try to advance the ball back onto the fairway and try to get it down as far as possible, then try to get it up and down from that point. So the the more you talk, th- I talk through this, I think it should become clear to you pretty easily that uh, this power five is just gargantuan. It's funny, when i watch watched this through the first time it shows like the hundred is like a hundred yard marker from like the top. It's like, Oh no, that's like a hundred to the top of the hill. Uh, This one is so long and it generally plays into the prevailing wind, which is never great. So it's going to be a 619 uphill par five, With wind in your face. With a blind second shot on approach. If you can reach to the top of that like 330 type landing area. Then you got to go up again. Don't see very many eagles happening on this hole. The green rises 30 feet above the fairway. is 150 yards from the foot of the hill. You see, that's where I got confused with the 150. I was like, oh, there's the green. It's right there. It's like, no, that's 150 to the hole. There's 100 to the hole from here. I guess maybe like Rom, DJ, Bubba, like maybe some of Bryson. Some of the bombers might be able to get it there. With two immaculate shots, but I mean, you go over this green, you can see like right here, you're dead. If you go over here, you are absolutely murdered. Now, the second shot, and maybe that's more of a third shot type thing. Guys who lay it up, maybe you end up with the wind behind you, the wind dies down, you think it's in your face, and you power drive it over the hole. Uh, that's not going to be a good scene for anyone. Uh, so, these are the closing holes number 15 coming in. The other thing is there's like the lots of other bunkers and the other crap is going to prevent the punch and run. Like I told you, you're not going to be able to run the ball up. So you want to be in the fairway to be able to control the height and the apex side of the ball to get it to land. And as I mentioned, the greens aren't turtle shelled. They're protected by the elevation, the bunkers, the water, the rough, no matter what it is. So you have to think accurate drivers, iron play from 175 plus. Putting from like 10 to 20 feet, because that's where the par savers, the critical par savers, are going to come. And as I did on the Is Putting Predictable show, is that really something that you can predict? Maybe from like 10 to 15, 5 to 10, 10 to 15 feet, maybe you can try to see that and miss... Uh, You want right on like 14 of the 18 holes, essentially, like you don't want to be playing this course down the left side. You want to be playing it down the right side. If you're going to miss, that's going to give you better looks and better chances of recovery into the green. So these are the closing three of what we can expect coming down the stretch on Sunday. You have this par three, 202 yards. And like it feels like you know, oh oh this is fun. Multiple teeing areas provide flexibilities. They can back this up another 33 yards play like a 240 par three on a Sunday. Good God, that's gonna be awful. Uh, it does make it look like an island green surrounded by bunkers, and you know that rough is not going to be pleasant uh, if you end up anywhere there. So there's only so many pin positions on a little tiny green like that. Then you have this 373 par four. It does feel like you can make birdie on this hole. To be perfectly honest, like this is one where um, listen, you missed the way you can make bogey or worse on a lot of these but with a good drive you should be able to oh sorry friend Francis, you met birdied this hole in the fourth round on the playoff on a way to the victory in what was that, 1954, 1963, something crazy like that when he beat Arnold Palmer in the playoff. But you have many options here because it's not the longest hole. It's one of the easiest ones on the course. So that'll be an I always like that. Just one, two difficult holes and one scoring hole coming in. Like give people a chance to catch up. And eighteen looks like it's going to be tough as well, but not like it this isn't the teeth of the course. So you potentially make birdie. This is more of a par hole. Obviously, all of these are power holes. It's the U.S. Open, but you can actually make up some ground here on number seventeen and eighteen with a good drive. So the overemphasis for me is going to be on driving, and how do we really come to terms with that for what we want to see? Like, do we just sort by strokes gained off the tee? and that's going to be good enough for everyone, and maybe it is. Maybe that's exactly how you want to play it. Total driving, I do think, comes into play a little bit, and once we go over the tournament history of the U.S. Open, that's what I want to dig into, but I do think, well, they're played at completely different courses on different coasts. You have a Pebble Beach, a Torrey Pines in here, you have a Winged Foot, you have a Shinnecock, and no, Shinnecock the PGA Championship? Now I can't even remember which is which. But you have different parts of the country, completely different courses for the past five U.S. Opens. But the USGA setups, I do feel, are pretty similar. and I feel like they emphasize the same things. Obviously, this is not the longest U.S. Open that you're going to see. It is also Aaron Hills and Shinnecock. Let's see here. Brooks won one of them. Yeah, Brooks, Brooks. That's what we were looking at. So you have uh, Shinnecock and you have Aaron Hills into this mix. You have Pebble Beach, Wingfoot and you have Torrey Pines from a year ago. So a lot of, like, this isn't as long as Torrey Pines, it's not as short as Pebble Beach but it has elements of both, like the driving of Torrey Pines fused with these little greens and the precision and the around the green game of Pebble Beach. So total driving is going to have to be key, but you can see that that's usually an emphasis for almost anything. Over the past five years, Brooks blows everyone out in terms of how they perform at the United States National Championship. No finish worse than fourth. You can see Xander. no finish worse than seventh in any of those five Tommy Fleetwood starting to play a bit better golf at the moment he's number four so the top five overall Brooks Hideki Harmon Brian Harmon Tommy Fleetwood Xander Shoffley and then you have Justin Thomas Patrick Reed see woo, Kim my guy and that's with two missed cuts <laughs> over that time Sergio Louis Oosthuizen Kevin Chappell, Jim Furick, Paul Casey, Scotty Scheffler. That's only in three appearances for Scotty Scheffler. We've seen Russell Henley make the cut and come inside the top 30 in three of the past five years. Those were his only appearances in the U.S. Open. Webb is really hit or miss. It doesn't feel like Webb is quite at the point at the moment of where he really needs to be uh, going forward. So, yeah, sorry. Brian Harmon, that was wrong on my part. I was just sorting by something by Aaron Hills. Brooks, Louis, Xander, Hideki, Casey, top five. Patrick Reed, Dustin, Fleetwood, John Rahm, Brian so Brian Harmon still tenth. He's gained 30 strokes overall over the past. And he's only played in four of them, but he has the T2 with T19. He's made the cut in each of the four. Rory has top tens in each of the past three goes after missing consecutive cuts at the Open at the U.S. Open. JT has three top tw- four top 25s the past five years. So the same sorts of players. Harris English is going to be tricky with a third and a fourth. It's just he's coming off injury and he's played once and he was God awful. And like Bryson, Lord knows what he's up to and it's not going to be a good scene for him. You would think just based on coming off the injury and it didn't go too well at Memorial in his return. Molinari is an interesting one. Let's, I just want to click on Molinari for a second to see how he has done. He, I thought he was playing well at Memorial. Yes. Yeah, so he's made three consecutive cuts. Not bad, uh, considering where he was. The approach has been good. The around the green has been good. The putting has shockingly been good for Francesco Malinari. Is he back? You know, probably not. But he has a good U.S. Open run. 13th, 16th, 25th in his past three. He has two missed cuts and eight starts, but six made cuts and no finish worse than T29. That was back in 2012. So as a you know lower-end type player this week, he is potentially... Someone that you can look at as a sleeper that, you know, people just don't want to go there with him. And I completely get it. It terrifies me. I don't even think I'm going to do it. But... He's $6,900. You're going to have to start putting in the pieces. Worth noting, Matthew Fitzpatrick, you're going to hear this all week, he won the U.S. Amateur here in 2013. Here's the thing. It's going to be playing a little bit tougher than it was at the U.S. Amateur in 2013. Just trust me on that one. Uh, there there's a lot of great players who played that week. Scheffler was in the field, Davis Riley, Will Zalatoris. Uh, you can just go search that list of the U.S. Am field from that year, and you're going to see a lot of names who are in the field this week. I don't know how it's going to work out with all of the live players. I know that they're playing, but a lot of these guys have either been off for a while, and I don't know what the type of competition is over there. I watched it. They showed a lot of shots. I, I really appreciated that, but it was very confusing. The like it looked like a League of Legends ticker on the left hand side for the leaderboard. Didn't really enjoy that part of it. They could have just they had a lot of extra room too. They could have spelled out the entire name. I don't know what was going on there. But overall, I thought the coverage was really good for the live tour. Uh, but I don't know the course looked like it was incredibly difficult. I I, I don't know how to include this with recent form. I think we're going to need a bigger sample. So maybe jumping on the live guys is what you want to do. Play Dustin. Play Louis. That type of because I think that they're going to go wildly under-owned this week. Uh, I'll discuss that more in depth with Tambo and Raza when we do the First Look DraftKings show that's coming out on Sunday. Uh, you should tune into that. Set up your notifications now. Smash the like while you're here as well. Should, worth noting, on my end, I only have one bet in so far, and that is on Sungjae Im to win the U.S. Open. 65-1 to 1 currently on DraftKingsportsbook.com. If you have a place where you can play each-way bets, I also played that with the top five. Uh, I don't know how those odds are going to shift, but I just think he's setting up really nicely here. Uh, you can just see, and basically, since the Masters, he's been a bit of a different player, and he's played long, hard, windy courses well before in terms of the Arnold Palmer Invitational. He has, geez, what does he have? He has, I know he came second or third one year, the year that Hatton won. He was up there. Yeah, a third, third, 21st, and 20th. Uh, PGA National, like. Guys that have won at the Honda Classic are generally guys who go on to win majors or have have had won majors in the past. But I just look at this overall T-degree game. Like, that is looking spectacular. At the moment, and you really do for the U.S. Open, especially since the PGA is switched to May. That you want someone who's come inside the top ten of one of the majors so far. Majors mo, that's a real thing. Uh, at least when you look at the trends, like you need either like a win somewhere on the card or a top ten in a major. Whether it be the PGA Championship or the Masters, two would be preferable, obviously. But I do think that is good momentum coming into this. I think Jay is improperly priced this week, to be perfectly honest with you. And I think that I I hate saying this. I mean, my guy, Colin Morikow, he's $10,000 on DraftKings. If he drops below 30 to 1, I'm just going to have to bite the bullet. He does have the top 10 at the Masters earlier this year. And his, I mean, the ball striking hasn't been bad. For recall Morikawa. not that it ever is, it but it hasn't been to Morikawa levels. But the chipping was so horrendous at the Memorial. Like, it's worse over the past five tournaments than it's ever been in his career. He's over a shot worse than any other just random period. So over the past five, he's losing 2.1 strokes around the green and 2.5 strokes on the green. That is god-awful. But just take a look at when he putts well. So you have all these tournaments where he does not putt well. So Let's take at some of the tournaments where he does putt well. When he gains over three strokes putting in his career. It doesn't happen very often. Seventh, second, second, first, first, second, second, first. Two of those. I mean, only one of those is a major because there's no strokes gain data for the Open Championship. That's crazy to think about. And when we take a look at the U.S. Open, well, it's mixed results. Uh, in At Torrey Pines, he was fourth. At Pebble Beach, he was 35th. He missed the cut at Wingfoot. Uh, he did putt well in two of the three. Putted put well enough, and he was at lights out at last year's U.S. Open at Torrey Pines with his approach play. Uh, listen, I try to make the case for Morikawa every single time. I sound like an absolute broken record. I completely understand that, but I think his skill is relatively unmatched for what he does. He and Justin Thomas are the two. JT, better around the greens than Morikawa. I would say that Morikawa is a slightly better iron player when it comes to upside. Morikawa is a much better driver of the ball. JT has more distance and For the U.S. Open, I do think it leans more more Morikawa because he hits so many fairways. uh, And he's not short by any means off the tee, but he's incredibly accurate. Like, the short game is the big differentiator. They're both crappy putters, but they can both kind of get it going on. And one guy's going to be two and a half times the odds of the other guy who just won a major championship. So that's always going to be my case for Colin Morikawa. You can pick your choose your guys at the top. Hopefully my Rory Rory double ends up coming through. And everything will be... Something great. Each of the past 10 U.S. Open winners had already posted a top 25 in the U.S. Open, by the way, and eight of the past 10 winners had posted a top 10 in at least one of the previous two majors. Shout out to Dave Tindall for both those facts and his column up on Betfair. It's one of my favorite trends articles, and trends are you, know, you can take the trends with a grain of salt, obviously, but I think that there's something to them if they're always pointing to guys in good form, guys who have previously played well in these certain circumstances, and very rarely are you going to find a U.S. GA setup outside of the U.S. Open. So there's certain guys that are tailor-made more to this than other players. I like, I like Zalatoris this week. That should be no shocker. I like Neiman this week. That should also be no shocker. Uh, but Hatton's the only one I have the bet in on. 7,600 7, on DraftKings. He's going to be incredibly popular. I mentioned Matthew Fitzpatrick. 8,500 is probably going to be the highest owned player on the DraftKings slate. I like Daniel Berger this week, though. You can see he has two top tens the past four years at the U.S. Open. He's made the cut both times in between, but it's the accuracy that really plays out for me with what he does well. He's gaining strokes off the tee as he normally does. And we know that he doesn't have a ton of distance. That is almost all accuracy based. He needs to show up with these hot irons that we've seen from time to time. Couldn't ship a memorial, putted the lights out. Let's split the difference on that. If he can just be around average, around the greens and put well, not 6.6 well, like 3 well. I think that he's most definitely going to be in contention. And he's also 66 to 1 right now. Is not a bad number whatsoever. Uh, you can find the boost up to 66. I believe he's 45 to 1 currently at DraftKings Sportsbook. But you can fudge those numbers and get some more action up top. And you can see the types of places. Honda Classic is another one where he has played really well over the course of his career, obviously. But with you know the around the green play memorial, that does worry me a little bit only because the around the green at Mirrorfield Village, well, it's not going to be exactly the same as the U.S. Open. It's very, very, very thick rough, and maybe it's just circumstantial, and you can make a lot of mistakes out of it because the rough at the Charles Schwab was pretty good as well. That was pretty high this year. I think it was three and a half inches, uh, and he gained almost four strokes there. So you chip one in, you leave one in the bunker. It can sway the stats wildly one way or another, but overall, very good around the greens, and even when we go to fairways hit... Uh, over the course of the past year or so, and take a look at distance and accuracy. He's going to be minus in distance, plus in accuracy, and I would trade a little bit of distance for this type of accuracy. Where you listen, one, two, three times since last year's U.S. Open, as he lost strokes to the field in accuracy, and he's usually amongst the leaders. That's pretty good. It's like when we take a look at John Rahm for example and we just see he lost strokes off the tee at Memorial and came T10. This is this should be terrifying for everyone. He lost strokes off the tee. When do you think the last time John Rom lost strokes off the tee was? I'll tell you. The 2019 Tour Championship at Eastlake, That's a whole lot of green in that strokes gained off the tee. And when it comes to long and straight, no one does it better than John Rom. he he really doesn't like it's not even close Uh, I guess that, that was yeah there it is the 2019 tour championship he still came 12th great with the irons that week and it was nice to see that his irons rebounded a little bit at Memorial nothing great the putter showed up, so we've seen that now twice in his past two starts. He has been playing a ton, but that's one that we can kind of look at. Uh, when he won last year, you know his good drives gained, were off the chart. It's going to be more difficult to do this week, but the good drives are going to be led by hitting fairways, then hitting the greens and regulations. So uh, I think the good drives are something that we need to put in. If you're listening to me, you're probably not the smartest person going. That's why you've got to check out titan as everyday investors the cards have been stacked against us we've been given access to this marketplace of stocks but we're competing against institutional investors with unlimited resources we're simply told to invest in the s&p 500 and be happy with the conservative average with titan you get access to similar strategies to those in the one percent without having to be ultra wealthy or pay hefty fees all it takes is a hundred dollars to get started deposit your money select which of their portfolios you want to invest in that's it And now Titan's bringing their knowledge and expertly managed crypto portfolio. Let their team, who eats, sleeps, and breathes crypto, probably not good for your lungs, do the research and invest in this fast-growing asset class for you. Titan aims to grow your investments at least 15% annually net of fees, which means doubling your net wealth every single five years. I haven't had a chance to try Titan yet, but I have to say, sounds pretty awesome. Check out Titan if you want to aim to become the smartest, wealthiest investor you've ever been. So head to Titan.com slash Mayo to get $50 when you invest with Titan. You must go to this URL or you will not get that $50. They won't know that we sent you. That's $50 when you go to Titan.com slash Mayo and invest with Titan. This is a paid partnership with Titan. At the time of this publication, I am not yet invested in Titan Strategies. And let's jump into it. Let's talk about the stats that we want to target this week at the U.S. Open. We'll go, uh, let's shrink the size down to, because there's a couple things I want to look at before we actually build out a model. We'll go 24 rounds, go to custom stat model. You can, uh, I clicked on the wrong thing. If you want to build your own stat model and save them all handily here on the right-hand side, go to fantasynational.com mayo. That will get you 20% off any level of membership. I made my own total driving stat. So it's driving distance. fairways gained 40%. And I did throw these into the mixed condition model uh, already before we came in. I did one that was just neutral. And then I did one that had difficult to hit fairways. And I believe in difficult scoring conditions as well. But just looking at a neutral past 24 round, who is the best in this stack? Because I think this is going to be the one that really trumps all. You can go by good drives gained. I think that works out well, too. John Rom, Cam Young, Keegan Bradley, Matt Fitzpatrick, Victor Hovland. Is there too much sand at this course and too much chipping involved for Victor Hovland? Everyone made a big deal about that at the PGA Championship at Southern Hills. And I believe he was fine around the green at Southern Hills, to be perfectly honest with you. It was a lot of tight lies. Maybe that can be fine. Yeah, the one time he gained strokes around the green at the PGA Championship when it was so hard. But that was a real equalizer because it was such a unique situation where you don't see completely shaved areas. I mean, listen, once you get to a certain age, you're just not shaving anymore. You let the arbusto grande grow. And that's, I mean, Brookline's a 130 year old course or something. They're not shaving down there. You're not going to have shaved greens. That ain't happening. So, yeah, the bush is up, and you're going to have the deep stuff. That might be more of the problem. And I bet on Victor at the PGA Championship because I thought it would be an equalizer, and obviously he didn't win, but that's not why he lost. He just didn't have a fantastic week. Then you have Rory. Homa, Xander, Kokrak, and Mito. Sergio is up there. He continues to drive the ball very well. Finau, I actually did run some numbers on, because you can manipulate the stats however you want down the right-hand side here. I had difficult scoring to par and thick rough, like long rough. Those were the two factors I put in and saw, and tried to find out who the best player was on average per round around the greens in those conditions. And it was Tony Finau. Good times. Imagine, 8200 bucks. Would you rather play Finau or would you rather play How's Your Burger? It's tough to say. Finau, off to a hot start in Canada. No idea how he's going to finish, but he has been better recently. He doesn't have that top 10, so I'm not going to bet on Finau to win the U.S. Open, but I feel like he's been all right. Yeah, he has, he's been absolute feast or famine. Trick or treat Tony. Move over Tony Allen. It's Tony Finau at the U.S. Open. Miscut cut 8th, miscut cut 5th, miscut cut 14th. So he's due for like a T12 this year with the way that the trends are playing out for old Tony Fino. It is nice of the USGA to give us the uh, strokes gain stats going forward right now. So the other guys that are up there, Scheffler, Min, Woo Lee, Really good numbers for Minwuli. That's more distance than accuracy. Webb Simpson's the other way. Then you have Shane Lowry, Morikawa, Luke List, Stuart Sink, Aaron Wise, Davis Riley, Adam Shank, who withdrew from the Canadian Open, but he's going to play, in the U.S. Open, obviously. Sammy Burns, Matthew Smith, Wyndham Clark, who was the first-round leader this week. You see, like, Kurt Ketiyama, Wyndham Clark, Zala Torres, Dustin Johnson. Their accuracy isn't quite there. Uh, just like MJ Defu. Or Bryson, who's number one in distance and 127 in fairways gained against the field. Then you sort of have the inverse players, like Corey Connor, 73rd in distance. Not bad distance, median distance, but great accuracy. Number 20 this week. Then you have, like, Justin Thomas and Callum Tarrant, who are the opposites. All distance, no accuracy. I feel like that gap is just a bit too big. I do want distance over accuracy when I'm waiting at all, but I need guys that are a little bit closer. Just just look how good Rom is. Fourth in distance, 29th in accuracy. Keegan, 23rd and 21st. That's also incredibly good. And we know he's from the area. I can see him building some steam at seventy five hundred dollars. Fortunately, on DraftKings, Sung Jay is a block. That's right there. Everyone's going to gravitate. I know people are going to gravitate towards Sung j So I- I'm, I do think that it's going to be a bit more depressed ownership on Keegan Bradley. But that's a really good number at seventy five hundred dollars. You can make a pretty good balance build if you start with let's say Xander ninety six. You like Xander, Fitzpatrick, Tambo, and I made one on the Wednesday show. Keegan. Sung Jae, you could probably play like Berger and who's like the other eighth, th- like someone like right in this range, Mito at 78, I think he works, Fleetwood will be popular just with the way he's trending back up, I like Homa a lot, I think it's time for Homa to put on the big boy pants to go contend in one of these things, how was he at the PGA Championship 13th, alright, so he's getting better, uh, he hasn't missed a cut in ages, uh, obviously we know his major track record, not the greatest, but... It's a guy who's won at long, hard tracks in his career so far, and even a short, hard track that demanded accuracy like Wells Fargo, and the putting has been el fuego recently. So Max Homa, like, this mid-range is looking pretty good. Like, if I had to go to the top, i i mean, this just so reeks of a Scotty Scheffler course that— with the way that he can muscle the ball out of the rough. I think that looking at Arnold Palmer invitational from this year in particular, especially if the wind stays up, like it's projected to and seeing, let's, we can go look at that right now. That's why we're doing this show. When things come to my mind, I can click on it. Cause I'm using fantasy national. And then we can go take a look at what I'm talking about here. Uh, Arnold Palmer, listen, difficult scoring to par, Uh, Hitting fairways in rounds three and four were very difficult, rough length long. Greens were probably faster than we're going to see, and it was a bit of a longer course, but it got super windy. So how did guys do that week in terms of approach? That's what we should be looking at. And, Scotty, you made them all look foolish. It was Scotty, Rom, the Gucci man, Max Homa, Billy Horschel, Hideki, Laird, Graham McDowell, Victor Hovland. I mean, Hoffman came second that week, remember he we couldn't get it up and down. Uh, who else? Woodland had a very good week that week. There's uh, Lipsky, Danny Lee, Sam Burns, Chris Kirk, Ricky Fowler. I don't think he's in the U.S. Open. Uh, Sammy Burns, Taylor Moore, Aaron Wise, Brennan Steele, who is, as we like to say, trending in the right direction. If Luke List doesn't lose seven and a half strokes putting in two rounds, maybe he's there as well. I don't know how Luki has done because uh, on paper, because his around the green game is always so solid. I mean, it hadn't been solid. That's kind of when he started hitting the skids. But you can see historically very good around the greens that uh, I do think that if he can hit enough of the fairways, I think he has the muscle to get it out of some of this long rough has not been a good go for the U.S. Open for Luke I can't believe he played it in 2003. That's so crazy. I can't believe he's so old. Or I guess he played it so young, but, you know, we're in 2022 20, now. That was 20 years ago, or I guess 19 years ago. So he's never really played well in the U.S. Open. But when you take a look at the one PGA Championship that he did do very well, he did gain 7.2 strokes putting, which is probably the biggest anomaly of anything of all time. That was at Bethpage Black, which... I don't know. I would say it's going to be a little it's going to be within the same range. It's slightly longer than Brookline is going to play this week. But very similar type things keep popping up here. Uh, in terms of difficult scoring to par, very long rough, difficult to hit fairways, same ty- same grass type uh, that we're using this week. If you hit into the rough, like you're absolutely cooked <laughs> for the week. So I-, I think there are some similarities between this and Shinnecock. Uh, obviously, this is going to play a little bit shorter, so it's going to allow for the better, shorter-hitting, long-iron players to have more of a chance, and guys are at a different point of their career at the moment. But List was able to get up there, Rory was up there, Cooch, Scott... You know, Gary Woodland's another one. Shane Lowry, it's going to be really hard to get away from Shane Lowry, uh, especially in the betting market, because I believe he's anywhere between 33 and 40 to 1 this week. Anyway, that's what I was going through with the total driving. I did add both of them into the mixed condition model before I came on. Uh, this is total driving difficult fairways, and I just wanted to have that loaded up for everyone. So this was difficult to hit fairways Total driving difficult courses uh, over the past 24 rounds. Uh, it's not a huge sample, but you see Rom, Xander, Davis, Riley, Sam Burns, Kokrak, Victor. Sergio, Neiman, Rory, Fitz, Seamus Power, Luke List Cam Young, Gooch. Gooch keeps popping up everywhere we kind of look here. That's terrifying. Casey. Uh, Casey's not playing. Casey wd by the way. Uh, he's not playing in this UAS Open. He's going to go give it a run where he came second at, the, at St. Andrews back in 2010 when Louis won the Open Championship. Dustin, Keegan, Straka is one that pops up in a lot of these driving numbers as well. Homa, Cantlay, Sungjae, Mito, KH Lee. Big Dick, Vic Perez, who's on a nice little run over in Europe at the moment, if you probably haven't noticed, and probably haven't. Morikawa, P. Raj, Bryson, EVR, Woodland, Justin Thomas, Wyndham Clark. Ari O is coming up. I mean, the DFS community is going to rally behind Harry Hall this week. He hasn't been a real good run for Ari O. I don't know how he's doing on the Corps, on the Corn Ferry Tour at the moment, but he's eighth at Shriners. I suppose we could look that up. Harry Hall, official world golf ranking. Official World Golf Ranking, Harry Hall Obituary. Oh, yeah, that's because I typed in the wrong thing. Oh, poor Harry Hall. I've killed him in a Google search on this show. All right, let's see. So he's just recently won an event. Okay, here we go. Harry Hall, world number 235, the Rex Hospital Open, fifth, the NV5 Invitational presented by Old National Bank ends up coming in first. So this this is a player that people were excited about for a while now uh they just kind of like when he pops up he's $6,400 we saw Zalatoris come onto the scene here as a corn fairy guy that you know no one really wanted a part of Sung Jae was like that the first year I believe he played at Shinnecock and it was like who the hell is this Jae Im guy I mean, you know I'm used to betting Siwoo Kim as the South Korean of choice and then Sung Jae comes out on the scene and he's like a 19 year old and he's really good uh, I don't know how Harry Halp specifically rates out. That's not really telling me much in his 12 rounds of service so far on the PGA Tour. But if we go to the bottom of this list and try to take a look at, like, who is viable? Who is viable down here? No, 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 no. Oh, Hellsgad, the fireman. He's back in the field. Probably end up making the cut. Austin Greaser. Love that name. So we have a lot of guys who, like, out of these, like, 30 guys at the bottom, one of them, two of them might make the cut. Furyk's down here. He's probably not going to end up doing anything. Min Woo is very interesting. He had a good Masters as well. Remember, he was like the Sunday showdown guy at the Masters. Then you have Eri O. Oh. Uh, is that Tom Kim? Jin Hyun Kim? I think that's Tom Kim. Uh, Roger Sloan qualified. Good Lord. Then you have Richard Bland, Thor Thunderbird. Oh, Thunderberry's back in the field. Yannick Paul is a gentleman. Grayson Murray, Kedira, Like, Damon, now we're getting to somewhat interesting players because he hits a ton of fairways. Stewart. He hits too many fairways, and you might want to try to add a little bit of distance, some iron play to some of this. Guido, it's been a rough go for old Guido. But Sink, I think, actually does make some sense here. Kurt Kitayama, I think makes sense. My guy, Ryan Fox, He bombs it. I don't think he gets enough fairways, though, for out here. Uh, And he's kind of lost his momentum. He had his chance. Obviously, I played him at the PGA Championship. He almost won the next week. He was like a minus 5,000 favorite on this 71st hole and lost in a playoff. Vic Perez actually playing some pretty good golf at the moment. Lucas Herbert is full of magic. He's on Team Magic Beans. If you want to pair someone with, like, Spieth and Cam Smith and Mac Hughes, it's probably Lucas Herbert at this point. Then you have, like, your accuracy guys with Neesmith, Putnam, Molinari, Kisner, Grace, start could be good this week. He hasn't been good recently, is sort of the problem. Like, I actually don't mind this course for him if he's hitting a bunch of fairways. Uh, it's been a bad go since I, it's been the 14th of the Masters, and that's really been it for Min Woo. Ari Oh, who we went through already. He also has a win at the Wichita Open last year, so he's you know, he's got wins on the Corn Ferry Tour. It's worked out pretty well for Cam Young, I'd say, so far in his translation over. Who's this? Oh, Tom Kim. Uh, not well at the PGA Championship. Good at the Byron Nelson. Yeah, probably not going to go to him. Stumanji. Sink, bad at Memorial, bad at Charles Schwab, but he was good in the ball striking department. Couldn't chip. Dude sucks at chipping. So I always forget that. So maybe this is not the spot for old Stewart Sink. Although Off the tee, hitting greens a regulation. If that can be his jam, that's not awful either. Kiz, Kiz has been really bad. Four straight missed cuts. Good Lord, Kiz. What are you doing, pal? All right, let's try to build a model out here. And I think I do have the one from. Let's see. Do I have the one from Beth Page, PGA Championship? Beth Page, that this one, or do I just have a Beth Page one? I don't. I'm gonna say that, that would probably make things a little bit easier. Actually, I could probably use the Shenandoah Hills one because I think that it'll be right around what I want to do uh for this just make sure that i don't have it there i don't okay so strokes gained off the tee that's going to play a very important factor here uh driving distance i want to add to that so you know what Let's start from scratch on this one uh, just because there's some stuff in there that i don't love we'll call this pga championship we'll get rid of everything pga championship at Brookline, just south of boston have a very maybe we have a very rowdy credit the Celtics end up winning the NBA championship. So let's go with I want to use that version of total driving that I just talked about. So I'm going to weight proportionally what we do in terms of probably get rid of strokes gained off the tee because I want to use three separate driving stats this week. I want to use driving distance gained. I want to use fairways gained and I want to use good drives gained and try to come out with some sort of balance for all of those. I really do think that driving I mean, it's not going to be the most important thing because iron play is always the most important thing. But at U.S. Opens, we have seen immaculate drivers of the ball do very, very, very well over time. So let's go. Where where did that go there? Good drives gained. So let's wait this out at, we'll go 10, 5, 15. So we're going to allocate 30% of the overall weight of the model to good drives. And there is approach factored in with good drives gained as well because it's about hitting greens and regulation. So it's sort of like good driving and greens and regulation all baked into one stat. Now, is that going to be somewhat misleading? Can a green regulation doesn't really tell you exactly what you need to know on greens this small because on you know, some of the greens are double the size on the PGA Tour. You can hit those, no problem. It's going to pad your good drives, gain stats. I get that. But there's only so much we can work with here. So that's what I'm doing with that. And we'll go approach... And we'll go big into proximity, 175 to 200 and 200 plus. Uh, that's where the money is going to be made this week. Maybe, do we want to throw in a shorter proximity, like 125, 100 to 125, 75 to 100, just because that might be the punch out area where guys need to get it up and down from? maybe. But if that's the case and they have to do that, it's probably their putting that's going to save them anyway. So we're going to throw the putting stats in here and we're going to go 5 to 10 feet and 15 to 20 feet. And throw those into the model as well. And then we're really going to prop up sand saves and around the green play. Because those are going to be something that you know that guys are going to need. Hopefully they don't hit it into too many bunkers. But at the same time, that is uh, something that's going to happen to everyone. At least I believe that is going to end up being the case. So where are you at, sand save? What do we got here? Birdies, bogeys avoided, doubles avoided? Hmm. That's an interesting one to potentially throw in. Uh, Right, driving right, avoid, driving left, avoid. Maybe driving left, avoid. We'll throw that in, because I said you want to play it down the right side, so who avoids hitting it left uh, more than anyone else? We'll just throw that in to maybe just take a quick look at it. What the hell is sand saves in here? Uh, What if I just hit S? What happens then? Uh, Now it goes to strokes gained. Obviously it goes to strokes gained. What am I thinking on this one? There it is, sand saves. And then strokes gained around the green as the last one. And we're going to wait that heavily. We're going to wait approach. We have other approach stats because we have two proximity ranges. So we're going to go 20% for just overall strokes gained approach. And we'll go 5 and 5 and see what we have left over. Uh, 5 and 5 for the putting ranges um, because they might not be the most predictable. We'll go 5% for this left avoid. we will put it 5 and around the green. What do we got left? We got 20% left. I don't know if we want to go 20%. Let's go 15% for strokes gained around the green. And screw it, throw in bogey avoidance and just that can kind of tack on as a bit more information. Although it is more of a storytelling stat than anything. There's probably way too many stats to throw in, but it's the way that we're going to play it this week. This is what the model is going to look like for Brookline. Uh, Just broken down, heavy emphasis on driving more so than I usually put in. 30% of the overall modeling is not usually what I have for the overall weighting of driving. So that was the building of the model and here are the results of the model over the past 24 rounds so in the short term xander is the number one player xander shane lowry mito fitz scotty scheffler rory keegan hovland horschel daniel how's your burger those are the top five players uh of wow that's crazy and they're all above nine thousand dollars great except for burger What's Burger? Burger is, no, actually, that's not true. It just reset itself to that. Uh, the lowest price player is Keegan. Munoz is 11th. Why is he so good? He has more distance than I thought. He's above average driver. Wow, that's kind of crazy to think. Uh, let's just kind of screw around with this a little bit. Uh, difficult to hit fairways over the past 25 with the exact same modeling. And maybe we can go difficult to hit fairways and jack that up to thick rough. And now maybe that will tell us something a little bit, we'll say, difficult relative to par. And this is something that you can really use the mixed condition model for if you really want to go into it. Uh, rough length, long. We don't have a ton of courses like this. It might date back way too far. But if we just kind of take a look at it, if you do want to throw it into the mixed condition model that you want to see... Uh, We'll throw in, we can sort it by that. You hit this button to add to the column where I already have those total driving stats. And you click on which of the stats that you want from these selected conditions. So again, difficult scoring, long, rough, difficult to hit fairways. My rank, we'll call it last 24. Fairway, difficult, rough. Rank. And just add that in. Some we can save for later, maybe revisit during the week. Uh, so the top 10 players with these conditions on, not everyone has all the 24 rounds. Lowry, Morikawa, Paul Casey, who's not playing. Justin Thomas, John Rom, Victor Hovland, Tyrrell Hatton, Hideki Matsuyama, Scotty Scheffler, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Russell Henley. Without Paul Casey, that's your top 10. Then, very much into that zone that I was talking about here. You have Xander Sung Jay, Finau, Brooks, Burns, Zalatoris, Harris English. Now these stats are going to be from like way back. Uh, Jim Furick, those stats are going to be from way back. Furick at 63, though. I wonder how he's been playing on the Sonora Tour. Louis, Corey Connors, Aaron Wise, Woodland, EVR, Max Homa, Thomas Peters. That's only in 17 rounds. Adam Shank in only nine rounds. Mito in only four rounds. I'm guessing that's coming from the PGA championship. You can also click by averages, too, if you wanted to look at that and be like, oh yeah, who's actually you know, the, the best per round? It's gonna be, let's see here. Fairways gained in these conditions. Min Woo is very good. Uh, it's better to go individual stat by stat to try to check this out. If that's really how you want to go see it, that's a of a picture. Mixed condition. So yeah. Uh, Minwoo, where's his one round from? PGA Championship round two actually qualifies for these settings that we went through. But we can take a look at the guys who are just good at different things. So we could factor out together who is all good at that. So with these sort of conditions, who's the best on approach? It's Morikawa, Thomas, Finau, Connors, Homa, Hatton, Zalatoris. So now we're starting to get somewhere. I know Zalatoris is going to be popular. I'm going to play him anyway. Davis Riley, I think he's going to be immensely popular at 73. So you have this range. We'll take a look here in the mid-7s. It's going to be Davis-Riley. In my mind, I do think that Keegan deserves to be on that, and Sungjae. Like Those are the guys for me that I don't... I mean, listen, if one guy gets up to, like, 30% ownership in the DraftKings, Millionaire Maker, it doesn't make any sense to play him. But I don't think that they're all going to get up that highly. But the balance build this week, you know, plays itself out pretty easily. Here are the guys that I like just initially. And we'll break this down more throughout the course of the week. Rick and I are going to go player by player and talk it through with all these guys. But Riley, Keegan, Sungjae, Mito, where else are we going here? Homa. And this shouldn't be a shocker. These are guys everyone likes because they're good. Berger and Fitz. Sammy Burns, I'm going to throw onto that list as well. I like Cam Young. I like Neiman. I like Lowry. And as I mentioned, I like Zalatoris. And Xander really does stick out. Like, if you just want to keep your core, that's a core of, what, 13 guys? I wonder how that looks like in terms of the lineup generator. If I wanted to make 25 lineups, just won't adjust anything else. See how that works out with just these guys. You have 13 Xander. You have 52% Xander. You have 60% Mito. I mean that's a pretty strong core of players overall. It's the ultimate balance build. It probably doesn't end up winning, but I don't know. For like three max and single entry, like that sort of player pool, I mean, you can go down and take a look at the lineups. Like a lineup that has, let's see, if Xander. This is probably the the most outrageous stars and scrubsy type one. Xander, Wilsey, Burns, Mito, Keegan, Davis, Riley. That's a pretty good team. Uh, do we have a Xander, Lowry, M? Yeah, Xander, Lowry, Burns, M. Keegan, Davis, Riley. I don't know if I'd want to end with Davis, Riley. I'm a bit iffy on him, but we're just kind of riding the form. I'd prefer to end with Keegan. I mean, this one ends with with Sungjae. Lowry, Fitz, Berger, Burns, Homa, M. That's probably going to be like the most duped lineup of all time. It does leave 100 on the table. So that's sort of what we're looking at. Maybe you can build... You know, 25 lineups that way, depending on how many lineups you're playing, obviously. And then you can kind of go down to the bottom and see within these conditions. I mentioned Furick does really well. Is there anyone else that pops with these particular conditions? Doesn't seem like it. Herman, who has the U.S. Open track record. Ernest, that's only in three rounds. Um, who else here? Thomas Peters does actually really well. Let's, How does he do this well? It feels like every time I play him, he's 87 over par. Missed the cut of there. He played well, well enough, I guess. At the PGA Championship, the players falls under this. Arnold Palmer falls under this. U.S. Open, yeah, I guess he just does enough well on average and doesn't have that many rounds to weight it against. Shank, Woodland, Evr, they're all up there. They're all right at the bottom of the seven thousand dollar range. Henley's still eleven. The stats love Henley. Here, how to shake stats? You don't want to be playing Russell Henley, or do you? Who knows? Uh, but with those particular conditions, that's what we're looking at. Uh, with the thick rough best around the green with all of these conditions turned on hideki Na, Webb, rom fleetwood fleetwood does rate right out really well with all of these conditions let's just get rid of difficult scoring relative to par and just kind of go back to difficult let's say difficult to hit fairways long rough i think that's sort of implied that it's going to be difficult scoring to par from that time, we'll see if that changes anything. It might just give us more sample of what we're looking for in terms of overall rounds. So or strokes gained around the green with these two factors on. Still Hideki, Na, Web Rom, Burger. Okay, so burger does chip really well in these. Maybe we shouldn't be as concerned about that. All of a sudden, Spieth gets a little bit better in both sand saves and around the green. He hasn't played well in terms of proximity range except for outside of 200 yards, which is actually great to hear. Uh, but we know his approach has been really good outside of Memorial. Like That's about as good as it gets on the PGA Tour since Pebble Beach through the Charles Schwab gaining in every single tournament. Not bad. Actually flipped the putter at Memorial and still came inside the top 20. It's nice to see when Speeth getting back to great ball striking, it, the driving has been a revelation with Spieth. And maybe if he hits enough fairways, maybe everything that people think about Matthew Fitzpatrick, If Spieth is doing this off the tee, Spieth is better than Matthew Fitzpatrick. Now, he's obviously priced higher and people like him more, but I don't think that he's going to get a whole lot of love for the U.S. Open. But that's how I'm seeing it in terms of the rankings. Once again, you can just go build your own model. You can look up whatever you want. If I didn't necessarily hit on everything you need, hey, you can just go use Fantasy National and go find it all for yourself. But I hope that this walkthrough was somewhat instructive to get you ready in terms of how you want to start attacking. Now that you have that information, you can go make your own model better come up with better picks than me all doing it on your own. I'm just giving you the template of where to start now oh you know what let's see a uh, left avoid <laughs> who actually avoids it to the left the most answer Berger, Van Royen, noran damon sungjay all right here we go let's write this down that's great news great news to think about with all this the left avoid let's uh let's avoid the left let's miss to the right justin rose Fitz, straka i'm gonna star straka i kind of like straka this week Hovland, Hatton, Rom, Riley, who are guys who don't do that well? Spieth, oh, God. Spieth, Phil, Seamus Power, Bryson, List, those are guys who miss it left uh, if they're missing. So they're coming through the ball. All right. Maybe this could be, maybe I'm onto something with this or it's a complete disaster, but that's just the information that I saw when I looked at the course and the information that was provided to me from people who know this course a whole lot better than me or most of the people out there because they've been on the scene and checking this out. I'm going to throw stupid magic beans, Lucas Herbert, in the the prelim player pools before we go break this all down uh, in the first look show. And that'll do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. Now you're ready to tap. Whether it be betting, the props on DraftKings for the U.S. Open. Once again, fantasynational.com slash mayo to get yourself that 20% off. You can get in all of the giveaways. Get your ballots by leaving the rating and review on the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast on Apple or Spotify, retweeting or sharing the show around on social media, and subscribing to the newsletter. The link is free to join down in the description, which will have extra information, more tidbits, and the final weather report, all in cheat sheet form, along with with ownership on wednesday evening you know the schedule of the shows play in the listeners league we need to fill that as quickly as possible Six thousand spots so tell your friends that they need to come to the show and get the link down in the description smash the like on the way out sub to the channel i'm excited for this major we'll see you next time